Hi, I'm Councillor Holly Cairns and this is Inside the Chamber, my podcast about being a public representative and how decisions are made in local government. In this episode we talk about the environment being my motivation for going into politics and growing up with a mother who's an environmental crusader. One of the things that I, I've become aware of you and your interest in engagement with politics was that your extreme commitment and passion about the environment. I first became engaged in politics because of the injustice of the way the LGBT community were treated in Ireland and the campaign for equality and by the referendum to repeal the 8th, the injustice around that. The biggest injustice facing us now is climate change. It is my main motivation going into politics. Since then, there's a general knowledge that if we don't do something about this, we're literally kicking the can down the road for the next generation to deal with it. The longer we leave it, the harder it gets. And I've always felt a frustration with politics in that oftentimes the solutions feel like political suicide. We need a new approach. We need, instead of avoiding the inevitable, we need to start coming up with solutions for it. There's policy we can put in place for this. There's real science-based answers to these questions. And that's the action we really need to be taking. And that's what I've always looked for and wanted from my representatives. And we've never really gotten it. Just make people aware of your environmental credentials. You you were raised in an environmental environment. (laughs) My mum had given me a reusable water bottle when I was about five. We were reared with that complete knowledge. I'm so privileged to be. She's an amazing woman, an organic farmer. She's always practiced really sustainable methods down to growing her own firewood. You know, she takes it to the real extremes. She grows apples and presses them in an apple press because then there's no carbon footprint on her apple juice. I mean, to the majority of people it would seem excessive, but she's that passionate about it. And being reared in that environment is great. I was ingrained with that knowledge and I'm very grateful to her for that. What we do here with the seeds on the farm is important for lots of reasons, mainly for the environment. When you break it down, what makes the world go round is not money, it's not information, it's food. Without food we have nothing and food production is very important, I always say that. The farmers' jobs are very underrated and underestimated. The only profession we need to survive. When we talk about biodiversity and policy that as a social democrat I'm very proud of ours, we also need to talk about genetic diversity and that's where the seeds come in and I suppose it does get a bit complicated there on in, but we know how vulnerable we can be without genetic diversity because we only have to think of the potato famine having one crop. We can take out by one pest or pathogen. I ended up doing my master's research on this particular topic when I moved home to take on the family farm and business. That research basically was what is the importance of locally adapted seed in the face of changing climates? And in summary, very important. <laughs> The way plants adapt can not only does it provide us with genetic diversity to withstand changing climates and conditions and therefore pests and pathogens, it also provides us with extra yield. We talk about how we have to transition and our food systems have to change and how far they travel. We need plants that grow well in Ireland. We can't be importing seed from Israel forever. It leaves us in a vulnerable position. So it's at the, you know, we talk about the root of the problem, the seed comes before then. It's always been part of my life. After the repeal referendum, I became really engaged in groups locally like Save Our Skibreen to try and prevent the plastics factory, which was successful. It's amazing, you know, how, what can happen when we really take these things on with the, the kelp campaign in Bantry, huge carbon sink for us there. And also just the, it's crazy, the government sold a license for 10,000 
for a private company to harvest 50 million euro worth of kelp do untold damage to the diversity to ecosystems you know basically we need real representation for this we need real leadership we can't leave it up to individuals and blame people for using cars or disposable mugs when that's all that's in place you know as somebody who feels really strongly about it and like I says was reared with a reusable water bottle for my whole life I would still end up buying a bottle of water sometimes like particularly using things on canvases sometimes like we need to we need to change this there needs to be infrastructure has to support us to change we can't blame individuals we can't blame farmers on on the farming thing so you you are a farmer and an environmentalist part of the way that those things are often set up is to be in conflict with each other but you don't see it like that i don't pitting farmers against environmentalists is really a hindrance in making any change in this when the debate is completely swallowed up by this pointless argument. We know that farmers have no intention of damaging the environment, of promoting global warming. Any of those things is ludicrous. The same the other way around. Environmentalists aren't just out to kill farmers or anything. You know, we're all on the same page. Mm. Any farmer I know wants the next generation of farmers to have something to farm and the way we're going, it's not possible, but it's policy that, that drives us to farm in that way. A lot of this comes through Europe, through the common agricultural policy, but farmers are directly incentivized to farm a certain way. And of course, with that, there's cultural and societal things that sort of support it and mm-hmm. amplify it. The kind of who is the biggest herd number and who is the biggest number of acres plays a very big part. Small farmers are struggling in Ireland and there's kind of a, a perception that if you're trying to change farming, you're anti-farmers. But Actually, the vast majority of farmers are struggling. It's not. But there's all these pointless debates. When I was canvassing in the local election, somebody told me they wouldn't vote for me because we've ruined the farm with trees. And to have that sort of attitude towards forestry, when it needs to be an integral part of a more diverse farming sector, is a is, is a problem. But like I say, that filters down from the Department of Agriculture through Tagusk, our advisory body, and into farming communities. It's an unsustainable way of farming. We need changes and it doesn't all have to be negative towards farmers. You know, small farms are an, will play an important role in mm-hmm. this transition. So the sooner we stop them having to sell up to big dairy farms, the better. And that's not a criticism of big dairy either. You know, we, we need a bit of everything mm-hmm. and uh, milk is important too. We need to, to introduce more actual environmentally friendly farming to protect the industry. I think we need to provide... A future for it. One of the biggest problems in farming acknowledged throughout the sector is generational renewal. There's solutions to all of these problems together. It doesn't have to be a cliff edge. We need a fair and just transition. When we talk about climate action, we need to make sure that the changes we have to take, like I say, they're inevitable. There's no point in fighting them anymore. We need solutions. When we're making those changes, they can't fall unfairly on rural areas they can't fall unfairly on low-income households we need policy that supports all of these sectors and all of these areas and all of these unique situations we can't take it as a single issue i was drawn to the social democrats for that reason despite the climate being my main priority because housing comes into it the social democrats for example have policy for pay as you save home insulation grants you don't have to have money to, to go into a transition every I mean, every sector that you can think of will will be affected by the changes we need to make. And it is simply not fair to put it off for the next generation to deal with. And we have to stop pointless debates. 
that would be a huge ambition of mine going into politics in a more central government level that and it sounds so basic like we, we need to take action actually we need to really change the conversation as well and stop the pitting farmers against environmentalists end of solutions policy to support it just and fair transition and so earlier there you made reference to your involvement with the save our skivering um, campaign and I suppose one of the things there that came around this idea around the question is around, I suppose, w- what type of West Cork we wanted and how are people employed within that? And I suppose part of that campaign was the idea is how important the environment is to jobs down here. Yeah, this was this, a similar scenario that we're talking about environmentalists versus farmers and, you know, being involved with the campaign and then getting elected and being able to actually do something about it at that level was really, was really great. And when I when I went about that, it was Holly's anti-jobs, which I mean, can you imagine anyone, you know, elected or not elected being anti-jobs? It's just a ludicrous statement, but this is the kind of thing that we're dealing with. And that's the kind of conversation we need to actually just nip in the bud and say, no, absolutely not. The reality is if we move towards unsustainable jobs like that, when plastic has almost become like cigarettes, there's a, to say that these maximum 20 jobs are something we need to fight for and make sure that they're implemented when again the science can tell us that factory would have had a huge impact on for example my neighbor's fishing pots because the runoff has an effect on how shellfish cling to rocks and you know it's so short-sighted we can never say oh well this many jobs is going to be created without acknowledging how many jobs might be lost as a result it's incredibly short-sighted um, I see it time and time again in the council, I find it very frustrating. So in West Cork, we have three main industries, the fisheries, farming and tourism. Something like a plastics factory would have a, a massive negative knock-on effect on those three industries. I mean, you're on a beautiful drive to Baltimore, you've perhaps just been in Skib at the farmer's market, headed to Loch Ine, huge plastics factory. What we should be focusing on is what jobs are suited to an area like West Cork, because I know loads of my friends would love to move back here. There isn't that much employment. It's, you know, and then we talk about all the other sectors. It's so hard to get a house, so hard to rent, not to mention buy, all of these things. But, for example, there's huge scope and opportunity in West Cork to work remotely in tech, in journalism, in, you know, in loads of things. Um, So things like, you know, the rollout of rural broadband would be great. We have amazing local provider, Digital Forties. Things like tech firms coming into Ireland, getting their tax break. Why not, with that tax break, say, also, you have to provide some employment here and here and here because there was uh, research done on this fairly recently and it showed that there's a huge population of people living in cities who would way rather live in the countryside but there isn't the employment there for them the tech industry is an obvious place to start with that we can provide more meaningful employment in West Cork through that industry and the Ludgate in Skibreen is a glowing example of that we need to promote more things like it one of the things I just wanted to talk about just just in closing is that the environment and, and climate change has thankfully at long last come to the forefront of people's minds and the political debate to people who want to do the best, who want to um, vote for their children, for their grandchildren, you as a social democrat and an environmentalist, what can you say to them to reassure them that that is to the foremost of your priority and the social democrat's priority? That it is my 
personal main motivation for being at your door. (laughs) There is solutions. There is things we can do. We just need political will and we need evidence-based policy to support that and in every sector. Not just, we need to do this. Here's how we're going to do it. Like I say, this is not a single issue. We have to take everything in conjunction with each other. That's why I'm inspired by the Social Democrats. They take a really holistic approach and also have really ambitious targets for things like biodiversity. Our policy for that is amazing and it's not, there's real solutions in there to it. So, for example, incentivising landowners to plant forestry, planting forestry on state-owned land. There needs to be the actual steps as well. That's what the Social Democrats are all about. They're really good at affecting change, even in opposition. They managed to pass bills like the Parental Leave Bill. The way that they operate is a way that we can take real climate action by taking everything into consideration, by supporting people to do it and it not feeling like this terrifying cliff edge for people, especially in like rural areas in the farming industry. Our, our slogan for this campaign is hope for better, vote for better. I think at this stage for young people, it's, it's becoming quite tiresome. They have gone on strike. Politicians are going, oh, well done. Aren't the kids great and stuff like not good enough? We need to take actual steps, but we need real, achievable, ambitious action. And we talk about the different sectors that are responsible, you know, as if they're to blame. Um, We need to change that narrative. Also, we need to be able to address all of them. Talk about transport. And then we have people being afraid of talking about agriculture. I'm ready. I am here to do it to take that on. Agriculture accounts for 33% of our greenhouse gas emissions. We can't talk about climate action without talking about agriculture. It is not being discussed. Real solutions are not being put forward. Real supports for farmers are not being put forward. Everybody's too afraid to address it. And it is my aim to do this. (laughs) We cannot tackle this without addressing it. And I will do that. Thank you for taking the time to sit down. Excellent. Please follow me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Safety Net by Riot, taken from the YouTube Audio Library.